The 2017 Australasian Simulation Congress, presented by Simulation Australasia and Simulcast. So I'm here again with Kathy Smith from uh, Toronto in Canada, and she just chaired our interprofessional panel here at the Australasian Simulation Congress. But I'm talking to her now in her role with ASPI, the Association of Standardised Patient Educators. SPs have had a lot of talk at this conference, but I thought it might be good to get Kathy to just explain to us about ASPI, what it does, what it hopes to achieve, and some of the things that are happening in that area right now. So um, ASPI is the association for um, human, human-based education, and it's an international association. We just recently published the standards of best practice for simulated patient educators. It is called the Standardized Association of Standardized Patient Educators, but more and more in the literature, there's a realization that SP really stands for Simulated Participant. So what that means, it's SPs, their scope of practice has evolved, so they are portraying many more different kinds of people than patients. They portray family members, they portray clients, they portray other people in the community. They also portray health professionals. And the term also is more broadly encompassing of health, actual healthcare individuals who portray, who play a role in a scenario. Sometimes they're referred to as confederates. The methodology can be applied really to any human role player. Mm, and I think this is important. I think this concept first came around. The role of standardised patients was in OSCEs and they were trying to play a standardised role, whereas, as you indicate now, this is so much more diverse and nuanced. Yes, and also it's the idea that it's simulated patients whose behaviour can be standardised across a spectrum depending on the need. So it's not standardised people, but it's standardised behaviour. <laughs> yes, a good point to make. So what does the organisation try and do? Well, so the organization, there's a yearly conference in June next year uh, in Kansas City. I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but you can look on the website um, where it brings together a face-to-face meeting for all those working in human, human-based human simulation. It, it really acts as a central gathering place for anyone who's involved in human simulation uh, there is a there are a number of different committees. There's a lot of research being done. Research grants are awarded. Uh, we have a virtual library. There are webinars that happen, and there's a blog. There's an e-news and a blog that goes out. The members of ASPI are really committed to helping anyone who's starting to work with human-based simulation to um, to do that as effectively as they possibly can. The methodology itself was started in the 1960s. Howard Barrows was a physician who started to use SPs in educational purposes and from there it spread around the world and so often when I'm dealing with or or meeting new people uh, or, or people who are new to simulation or who want to start a simulated patient program they don't realize sometimes that there's this whole body of literature and they don't need to reinvent the wheel. Literature, but also theory, evidence, and practice. I want to um, 
note that a colleague of ours, Deborah Nestel, she edited a book with Margaret Bierman called Simulated Patient Methodology, Theory, Evidence, and Practice, and there's a few ASPE members who have published there. It encapsulates uh, what ASPE is doing. Mm -hmm. So we'll put up a a link to that book and some of those references that you're talking about. So ASPE is around networking, it's around education, it's around cementing and making consistent best practice, Mm -hmm. and about research into where we go from here. Yes. So one of the, as you said, these standards have just been published in advances in simulation. And to pick out a couple of things for people who might do simulation, what do you think are a couple of things that might either surprise us or reassure us in terms of those standards? Well, I think, uh, so the the standards of best practice are organized around um, uh, five underlying values and five domains. And the the key underlying value is safety, and the first domain is safe work practices. So, and it's about safety for uh, everyone who's involved in the simulation, safety for the SPs, making sure that the SPs are treated in a manner that's safe, making sure that they're treating the learners in a manner that's safe. So it's making these things explicit. So I think that that's... The other thing that I think that's really interesting about these standards, they're designed to be used in conjunction with the Anaxal standards of best practice. And one of the things that I'm uh, really pleased about in the growth of, of all these simulation organizations, that we're moving from being siloed to working together. And I think it's a very powerful synergy to be able to, for the Anaxal members to be able to use our standards and for our members to be able to use the Anaxal standards. So we're really playing to our strengths Mm -hmm. and we're working together. We're all getting along. (laughs) Well, I was going to say we would like to think so, given that's what we're requiring of our learners as as students and other participants. So the conference has had a few conversations around SPs. I was in a session this morning and my colleague Namat Al-Saba presented some work that we'd done at Bond, looking at what students perceive as sick when they're doing scenarios that involve simulated patients. And it really just reinforced to me that work that we've done. How could we ever have been using mannequins for these scenarios in which students are required to recognize a sick patient? Because so many of those cues were around the behavior, the physical appearance, and how people spoke and very little around the particular cues that a mannequin gives. And I suppose you've seen people like this too. You must wonder about the balance between, say, mannequin versus SP-based modalities. Well, when I first... So I got into this whole field. So my background, I'm I'm a professional actor and I have my PhD in drama, and I started doing SP work to... Um, gain experience just to keep my acting chops going and also to make money and you know because as an actor you're not always working full-time and um, within a very short period of time I I just got immersed in this world and I have a skill set that lends itself to helping people to design and deliver simulations and the educational background as well and one of the things that I'm so pleased about from where I sit and, and, and how I've seen things evolved. When I first started to work, there was such a siloing between SPs and uh, high tech. And there was, there was never the two shall meet. And I have noticed more and more, a lot of my work takes me to working in hybrid situations. And I see that that's gonna be one of the future trends. Um, and by that, it's where an SP or 
two or more uh, modalities of simulation are combined. So as it applies to SPs, there may be a task trainer arm that's attached to them that allows the students to do maneuvers, or there may be a pelvic model that's attached and an SP could be giving birth or somebody could be stitched up. Uh, and there are suits now that are available that SPs, they put them on kind of like wetsuits and organs spurt out and blood spurts out. And yeah. so that, that th these can be very helpful things because students aren't, or learners are not practicing communication and isolation to the clinical mm. skills. There's a real understanding. And I've also, um, I, I'm particularly interacting with a lot of nurse educators who are realizing exactly what you were talking about, that they can't teach certain competencies that they're required to teach anymore uh, using only mannequins, because it's always the right modality for the right simulation. And so they're really embracing uh, SP methodology. And at the same time, they may be uh, challenged by uh, resources. So they may not be able to implement a full-on SP program. However, they may be able to implement a volunteer program using the same methodology. Mm. Yes, and I think that's very interesting. So I guess what you're talking about is that we should have hybrid simulations for yeah. integrated competencies, which yes. makes a whole lot of sense, yes. doesn't it? Yes. And it's always interesting to me that people will spend $100,000 on a mannequin and then say we don't have 60 bucks an hour for the SP. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting how the costs are accounted for. Yes. Well, I think that's been a great conversation. As I said, I'm going to catch up with a couple of other people involved in working with SPs here at the conference. But Cathy, that's been a wonderful introduction. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria.